Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This is episode 153 head-to-toe fall fly fishing, head-to-toe fall fly fishing. Now, before we get into the meat of today's podcast, I wanted to pass along my appreciation for those who have reached out recently with questions and comments. feels like the last couple of weeks have been uh, a number of emails, and I, I like getting chirps on websites and messages and stuff like that on social media, but I really do appreciate emails. And also for those who have left ratings and reviews on iTunes, that means a lot to me. For you to take even just a few seconds out of your day to tap on those stars and then write a few words, that's awesome, and it keeps the Casting Across Fly Fishing podcast um, up in the charts, which doesn't mean a whole lot in the real world, but what it does do is it allows other people to be a part of this community, and so it's this great little self-perpetuating thing, and you can help it by not just subscribing and listening, but also by leaving your ratings and reviews, especially on iTunes, regardless of the platform that you use to access your podcast. So thank you very much. I do appreciate it. And like I always say, if you think of something for the podcast, or if you see an area in which I can improve the podcast, I'm always happy to hear that. So Matthew at castingcross.com, I will always read and respond. But today, on episode 153, we're talking about head-to-toe fall fly fishing. This is the third in kind of a series of head-to-toe podcasts, and what do I mean by that? Well, I'm talking about gear, and I'm talking about being prepared. Gear is not an end to itself. If you dress perfectly, and you have all the right stuff, and then you end up just sitting in your car, it doesn't matter. Uh, Similarly, if you go out and you try to fish with the wrong gear, you might get into fish, but it might be really uncomfortable to do so. And so what what my intention is in these podcasts is not to say this is how you have to dress and what you ought to bring with you on the water given these certain weather or seasonal conditions, but I just kind of want to give my perspective, my opinion of years of fishing, of years of selling fishing gear, and of years of, you know, being involved kind of one foot in the industry. I think that's uh, 
one of the perspectives that I, I hope bring into the Casting Across Fly Fishing podcast. I have been uh, both selling gear and I have been the one buying gear um, both outsides of the, the, the industry aisle for a number of years. And so hopefully that can balance it between, you know, I really think there's some things that are worth spending a little extra money on and other things where if you can get it at your local big box store, you're totally going to be fine. So let's start with the head. You need a hat. And here's my big suggestion in the fall especially orange wear orange i am a fan of chicago bears i will accept all condolences uh that that you may have to offer which means that i usually wear a bright orange chicago bears hat year round it's actually a lot less orange than it used to be it's kind of dull and faded and probably wouldn't pass the test for the blaze orange requirements that states and regions have for if you are out in the woods during hunting season and that's the reason why I suggest blaze orange. Even if you are not hunting, if you are fishing somewhere that is adjacent to or even in proximity of hunting grounds, having blaze orange on in the fall is probably a good idea. If you think that bright orange is going to spook fish, well, one, you should be able to adjust your approach angle so that you are not right on top of a fish such that the square foot of orange material is spooking them, you can probably have a better approach angle if you're that concerned about it. And secondly, spooking a few fish is a small price to pay for the safety and security that wearing that orange is going to provide. You might say, there's nobody that hunts these woods. I know it. I'm confident in it. Well, I'm not willing to take that chance because I've been surprised by hunters coming in the woods, coming out of the woods so many times in places that I didn't expect them to be. And you know what? it's worth it to me to wear an orange hat and not just because I like the Chicago Bears. So that's the first thing that I would recommend. So head to toe, that's the top. And I'll say a ball cap ought to be sufficient for most fall fishing. I, I will carry a wool cap or a fleeced cap on my person, but I often find that I will get really hot really quick, especially if I'm moving. And so I'm almost wearing a baseball cap the entire season. If you get really cold very quickly, then I would say wear that baseball cap with the wool cap over top of it so you get the the um, the, the protection of the, the visor, the brim of your baseball cap, because especially in the fall and the winter, you're going to be fishing in low light conditions more. And the, the sun coming up low, it stays lower in the horizon longer. You're going to want that protection uh, that the brim of a hat offers. So even if you have to wear a wool hat or a fleece hat on top of your baseball cap, I would suggest wearing that baseball cap. Moving down, another sun thing. Uh, I've had a couple of podcasts and quite a few articles about sunglasses on castingacross.com. And the reason being, I think they are an integral asset to your angling arsenal. And here's where I would say, if you're going to have multiple pairs of sunglasses, which I've made the argument, and I'm apologist for the fact that if you're going to have plenty of different rods, multiple five weights, then there's no reason why you shouldn't have multiple pairs of sunglasses to give you the best uh, eyesight and visual acuity in variable light conditions. And so the fall is a great time to have a pair of light amber lenses because you're going to be able to fish early morning and you're going to be able to fish late night. The temperatures probably aren't going to be super extreme. You're fishing in most parts of the country, but you're going to want a lens that filters out uh, some of that glare 
and it gives you that polarization so that you're able to kind of see through the water, not just for finding fish, but for finding where fish are going to be and also for wading safety. And if you're going to have a pair of lenses that is lighter in color, that uh, yellow or light amber, then you're going to have those sunglasses on for a much longer period of time. You're not going to want to take your sunglasses off because they're too dark and then you potentially run the risk of missing something, a fish or a step or popping yourself in the face with a fly. So I like to have two pairs of sunglasses on me, especially in the fall when light conditions are changing. Something very, very light for the mornings and evenings and something a little bit darker for the afternoons. Just get a rigid case and pop that in your vest or in your backpack and you switch them in and out you know, twice. Once in the late morning, once in the early afternoon, and it is really not that big of a deal. Uh, it, it's you're, you're doing it less than you're drinking water. It's you're doing it less than you're um, certainly less than you're changing flies. So I would definitely suggest adding a second pair of sunglasses uh, into your arsenal for fall fly fishing. Moving on down, probably one of the more important things is layers. Now you always layer, uh, you know, especially fall, winter, spring. But I think that the fall is probably the time where you're going to be switching back and forth from layers the most. And so my preferred setup for fall fly fishing is a long sleeve base layer, something that is going to keep me dry, but also going to keep me warm if I'm cool. So something that's going to keep me dry, it's going to wick any moisture away, it goes all the way down to my, uh, my the, the heels of my hands. My wrists, I guess that's probably what you call them. The heels, like your palm, right? But that your wrist is really what we're talking about here. And that's going to give me coverage, a couple times of coverage. One, it's going to keep my skin covered. And if the sun is blazing, I'm not going to say, oh man, it's mid-October, but I should have worn sunscreen. Uh, and you can go back to my summer uh, head-to-toe fly fishing to uh, hear my anti-sunscreen rant. Um, also, it's going to uh, potentially be a sufficient layer if it gets really warm where I could take off the layers that are on top of it and it's just basically a little more form-fitting long sleeve t-shirt and that's gonna be totally fine uh, but also if it gets really really chilly then that's going to keep my warmth in so I'm a fan of polypropylene I don't do cotton long underwear um, I don't own a pair of, of wool long underwear especially long sleeve shirt but I still like the polypropylene and I have stuff from big fly fishing companies and I have stuff from Target and they both work great but Honestly, some of my favorite stuff is Under Armour. Um, I know that it's got all that hype and the marketing and the intensity around it, but I think it's really good stuff and the price is very, very reasonable and they create multiple lines such that you can pick what works best for you. If you run hot, then you can kind of get the uh, the more lightweight stuff. If you run really cold, you can get more of the heavyweight stuff and it is going to last a long time. So that's my preferred base layer. But then to go on top of that, I always go a lightweight long sleeve fleece. And here again, nothing fancy. I have some fancy stuff, but I really like even just like LL Bean's bottom of the line um, fleeces. And these are the ones that are built for being active. So they actually have, the, the ones I have, have a lighter weight um, in the armpit. Uh, so for, if you're moving around a lot, it's going to breathe a lot easier. But just a good cut fleece, something that is going to go down below the hem of your waist, especially on your backside, um, something that's going to go all the way down to your wrist. And then I love a quarter zip, something that if I want to, I can open up down to kind of like my 
the, the base of my, my breastbone um, and really pull that open to get some ventilation. Or if it's chilly in those early mornings, I can zip it all the way up, up underneath my chin. I think that is a great layer. Now on top of that, so we go base layer, long sleeve base layer, long sleeve fleece, and then, especially in the early fall and probably for most of the fall until it gets really, really chilly, I just go with another thicker fleece vest on top of that. And that keeps my core warm and it doesn't encumber my arms. I absolutely detest having too much fabric bunched up around my armpits and my elbows and especially down towards my, my wrist and again, the palm of my hand when I'm fishing. Uh, I'd, I'd rather be a little bit chilly uh, and have that. But I find that my extremities will stay warm if my core stays warm. And that's just common sense. And you're going to want your core to stay warm, uh, not for just the sake of your hands and your dexterity, but also for your legs, which are probably going to be submerged. But that's basically w what I look for. Long sleeve base layer, long sleeve fleece uh, with, with a quarter zip, and then a, uh, a f heavier fleece vest. Um, why fleece? Fleece is going to dry quicker, um, whether it is uh, a blend or whether it is completely synthetic, it's going to dry really quickly and it's also going to provide you a lot of warmth and a lot of insulation. So all basic stuff, I mean, grand total, if you were to go out today and buy all three of those layers from scratch, you're in for well under a hundred bucks, even if you're buying a name brand and that's going to keep you nice and warm. And again, you've got lots of zippers. so. I do take layers off, but if I can avoid it, I would rather just open zippers up, open buttons up, pop collars, um, zip things all the way up to my chin, roll sleeves up, roll sleeves down. I prefer that versatility to taking something off completely and stashing it in my backpack, especially when you have the variability of being in the sunlight and then being in the shade and how those temperatures change from one to another. So that's kind of what I'm looking like when, I, when I'm up top. Now, a quick word about the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's podcast is being sponsored by X-Chair. I am a huge fan of my X-Chair, and one of the big reasons for it is that I prioritize taking care of some of the parts of my body that get more sore than others. So I want my back to be taken care of. I want my knees and my feet to be taken care of. And I spend a lot of time on casting across when I talk about gear, about taking care of your feet and your knees and your back by making sure you have the right gear on the water. But how often are you actually out on the water? Compared to how much you're sitting at your desk, probably not that much. So if it matters to take care of your feet, knees, legs, back, neck while you're out on the water, then you should certainly be doing so when you're working. And that is where the X chair comes into play. It is ergonomically designed. It has many points of customization. You can have it fit you exactly the way that you need it to fit. And you have options for heating, cooling, and their patented Elamax massage and temperature on your lower back, which is helpful, especially if you've spent a long weekend out on the water. It's high performance, it's quality engineering, and it's extreme comfort. That's why I love my X-Chair. You should take my advice, try X-Chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better sitting in a chair can be, you'll never go back. So go to xchaircasting.com now, that's the letter X, chair, C-A-S-T-I-N-G.com, or call one 844 for X chair for $100 off your order. X chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Xchaircasting.com. All right. So you have your body taken care of now down to your legs. 
I almost see it as a very similar situation with the exception of this time of year is when wet waiting is over and you're going to be in waiters. So you want something that is going to provide flexibility for you to move in your waiters, but also that warmth for variable water conditions. But I like to match my tops and bottoms, not for style purposes, but for thermoregulation purposes. So usually I will be wearing a pair of polypropylene base layer uh, from waist down to ankle and then a pair of pants on top fleece pants. Now, here's where I found that I think a little bit more money actually will get you a lot more value. I have some higher end like Sims and Orvis wading pants that look like kind of like uh, insulated khakis and they are fantastic. They provide a lot of insulation and they have the kind of articulation to make it so that you, you move around easily. Um, elastic waistbands, um, a tapered cuff down to your ankle which allows your uh, pants to go all the way down into your wading boot which is great because you don't want a cold spot at your ankle or at your calf, places that don't have as much meat on them as maybe your thigh or, or, or your waist. And so I've spent more money on those products because I feel like they are worth it. I don't want to get anxious about moving from spot to spot because I'm cold. I want to move because I want to find fish. So I go base layer polypropylene with one of those heavier duty pair of insulated uh, pants from one of the, the bigger companies uh, more often than not. I don't wade in jeans. I have an article from years ago about never wading in jeans. For one, they're not comfortable. They bunch up. If, if you just imagine um, the, the the water pressure closing your waders in on you and then all that excess loose denim bunched up like a pointy little knot in the area behind your knee, that mental image and maybe even that visceral sensation should be enough to keep you away from fishing in jeans. Now, of course, in a pinch, they'll work. But try to find something that's breathable because... There's no sense in wearing something not breathable if you have breathable waders. Otherwise, all that moisture is going to get trapped on that non-breathable layer. So if you wear like like wind pants, like jogging pants, you know, nylon pants, or you wear something like jeans, they're going to get wet even though it's very, very cold out because you are going to be perspiring as you wade and move. And then it's going to just sit there up against your skin. Having that polypropylene layer will move them away from it, but it's just going to stay in there and you're going to get colder faster. So even in the fall, uh, I would say kind of bulk up on your layers uh, on your bottom half because if you have breathable waders and breathable layers underneath, then it's just going to move all of that moisture out and you're going to stay comfortable. Socks. Socks matter so much. I had an article about fly fishing socks uh, recently also. So, you know, a lot of things I mentioned, if you want more information, first of all, email me, Matthew at castingacross.com. Happy to give you my opinion. Happy to give product recommendations. I haven't been doing that. It's not the purpose of this podcast. I want to give you general ideas that you can kind of take and do your own research on. But if you want product recommendations, I'm more than happy to give them. I know I've been using things kind of in general terms, you know, product from this company, product from that company, a product like this. But if you want exact things, I'm happy to share those. Just reach out and I'll, I'll let you know. Um, but socks, here, here's my plug. Duluth Trading Company. I do not get a cent from them. I've had to buy everything that I own from them or given them as gifts. The stuff is awesome and it's rock solid. It's the same price as the, a lot of the big fly fishing brands, but it's just really comfortable and it's built ergonomically so that it fits on your on your waist. It fits on your socks. It fits as undergarments. It's awesome stuff. You pay for it. 
but it works really, really well. So they've got like a five-year sock or a super durable sock. I can't even think of what it's called right now. And it's become one of my go-to uh, wading socks for everything but the coldest months. But you're going to find that with any sort of heavy-duty wool sock is going to be great because you don't want something that is going to be so bulky that your foot is constricted inside of that neoprene wading boot because then your foot's going to get cold because the circulation's cut off from it. So you want to find that balance of insulation and thickness so that you can fit inside of that wading booty just fine. Um, and actually, you know what? You might It might feel like you're fitting inside the wading booty just fine, but that extra thickness as that wading booty expands, when you then cram it into your wading boot, that's when it gets constricted. So don't just say, I'm going to get the thickest sock I can find. Find something that's going to fit well so that your you can have your circulation um, in your foot as your foot is inevitably going to get cold because that three millimeter insulation of that neoprene, it's still not going to cut it in really, really cold water um, when, you, when you're standing and putting weight and, and your heels and the balls of your feet. All right, is that everything? I think it's everything. Head all the way down to toe. I didn't mention waders and wading boots. I've got other podcasts for that. But again, I'm a, I'm a, a firm believer in, in breathable waders every month out of the year. There's a few situations where um, where neoprene comes into play if you're not moving around a lot. Uh, but even then, I, I still think that you can probably get warmer uh, if, if you have on a good pair of base layers, pants, and then even if you're wearing breathable waders. And then if you do end up moving, you're not generating sweat that stays stuck against your body. I guess the last thing I would say is, is have a rain shell on hand because what is tolerable in uh, August, September is very uncomfortable in October, November. Even snowflakes. Snowflakes will melt and they will make you cold. So have that uh, rain jacket rolled up and have it at the bottom of your um, your backpack or have it lashed to the bottom of your sling pack or if you have a traditional fly fishing vest throw it in that back pouch and then you can bust that out and throw that on when you need be but again for all the other layers I like to be able to zip and unzip and move things around I'm a fan of having waders that have those opportunities I love a zippered waiter for the option of just zipping it open for ventilation if I'm waiting knee deep I don't need that thing up to my to my uh, collarbone I can open it up and get a little bit of ventilation that way I can keep on more layers and not have to throw things in a backpack. So any questions, again, feel free to reach out to me, Matthew at castingacross.com. I'm, I'm full of opinions, but but my purpose of this is not to say this is how you ought to dress, but these are some ideas. If you want more questions about the winter as you're anticipating that happening in like three months, you can check out Head to Toe Winter Fly Fishing earlier in the podcast series. If you have questions about summer, there's that one also. Um, but again, I'm happy to just direct you to other, other articles or just straight up answer your questions if you email me, matthewcastingacross.com. This week on the podcast, uh, Monday's article is fantastic. I'm so excited about it. It's called Astral, My New Favorite Fly Fishing Shoe. So one of the more popular articles on castingacross.com is an, a article called Astral, My Favorite Fly Fishing Shoe is Not a Fly Fishing Shoe. And even with a cumbersome title like that, it's still got a lot of traffic. Um, this is the shoe that has replaced it. It is the TR1 Mesh. So I love my Astral Brewers. I still wear them all the time, but the TR1 Mesh provides more ankle support and more toe cushioning, which are two essential things if you're waiting on mountain streams where you're going to be butting your toes against rocks and sliding around um, on boulders. So this is my review of the Astral TR1 Mesh. Definitely check that out. Awesome wet wading shoe. Uh, that that I I can't recommend any higher. You have to check out why on the review on the podcast on the website page. 
Three Steps for Careful Fly Fishing is Wednesday's article. Three Steps for Careful Fly Fishing. If you've ever fished tiny high mountain streams, then there's two sides of it. There's one, well, I guess three. One, how do you get there? There's scouting, there's hiking, there's the effort of getting up in the mountains. Secondly, there's how do I catch fish up there? But then thirdly, I think, how do you steward this very fragile resource? Fish, especially brook trout, are incredibly resilient. I don't think we give them enough credit because of all the conservation efforts that we've had to to deal with over the past century. And I'm not downplaying that at all. Um, but you still need to take care of these fish. So that's the third piece. How do you take care of them? So I offer three quick thoughts. They're things you probably know. But again, I'm just trying to help you maybe put words to what you're you're already thinking about as you fish these high mountain streams. This week's recommendation on the podcast is a product I've recommended a number of times. And uh, just to give some specificity to a lot of my fall clothing recommendations, I'm going to recommend the men's alpaca fleece hoodie. I guess there's a women's one also. I've just never worn it. But the alpaca, A-L-L hyphen P-A-C-A, alpaca fleece hoodie is by Appalachian Gear Company. Now this is a premium piece of clothing. It runs at about $150. You might say, all right, I'm, I'm out. But here's the deal. A all wool sweater is going to run around $100 uh, easily, especially from a reputable company. Here we have a alpaca wool hoodie that is 100% alpaca, not some sort of blend. It's lightweight. It's breathable. It is, it is incredibly packable. I have worn this thing every time I've gone fishing in the fall recently. It is a perfect piece of gear for mornings that are cold and afternoons that are warm without having to uh, you know, change things out. I wear it with a breathable t-shirt underneath and it is great in the high 40s and it's great in the low 70s. And in my mind, uh, an extra 20, 30, 40 bucks, it's worth it. Super comfortable, incredibly soft, and the thing doesn't get stinky. That blows my mind. I haven't washed it in I don't know how many times and I grab it and it just smells like closet. It smells like the, the laundry that it's sitting next to in my closet. It's an awesome piece of gear from Appalachian Gear Company. It's AppalachianGearCompany.com. I'll put a link to the alpaca fleece hoodie on the show notes to this podcast page at castingacross.com. Uh, there's a men's version. There's a women's version. They just came out with a new color. Mine is uh, like a loaded olive. I'm not sure what they call it, but they've got a gray. Um, charcoal is probably what they call it. They have a blue, and then they have a new color, dark henna, which is kind of like a grayish um, burgundy color. Very, very sharp super comfortable. It's a piece of clothing that I share with my wife because it is so comfortable. Um, so if you have any questions about that, let me know. Matthew at castingacross.com. Happy to give you more info. But again, you can check out more on the website. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.